in the world, you have the visible universe. Uh, you have the trees, you have the sky, you have the, um, the fields, you have the fruit, you have the houses, you have the earth. You have everything you can touch, you can see, you can hear. But you have also the invisible universe. And the invisible universe is actually much wider, much richer, much more immense than the visible universe. And the angels are part of the invisible universe. But there is a difference between invisible and unreal. You can be invisible and still very real, but very real. More real than the trees and the earth and that your grass in your garden. The angels are part of this invisible world, but they're absolutely real. They're absolutely real. And to ignore them is a big mistake. So we will not, of course, ignore them, but we'll try to discover together who they are, what are they doing, why are they by our side, where they're supposed to lead us, and uh, what is their role, their mission, how they have been created, and what their particularities are, and so on. To start with, I'd love to tell you a story, just to hook you with them in a very practical and real way. So it's a story that happened to some very good friend of mine that I have in Medjugorje. And this little group of people were actually in vacation in Munich, Germany. They had to go back by car to Medjugorje. Now, one of them felt a very strong urge to go and see a priest in Italy, and uh, that priest lived in Verona. Now, from a practical point of view, that was very silly to do, because this detour would add five long hours to the drive, and besides, this priest was very ill. He was confined to bed, and uh, he had stopped receiving visits for some months, and uh, moreover, he lived in a little apartment, adjoining to the Dome of Verona. Everybody knows the Dome of Verona. And there, there was a private entrance gate and then a second entrance door, usually locked. And since they were traveling on a Sunday, they knew that on Sundays, there would be no one there to open doors. So three obstacles were to be crossed. There were three walls to get through, literally. But still, because that priest was exceptional, not only holy, but exceptional and very gifted, they wanted to go see him, at least to try. Because just meeting his gaze imparted God in the most extraordinary way. So their desire for a blessing from him was very strong, stronger than the obstacle they could see. So they went for it. But while on the road, they decided to try to call him on the phone. But all they got was an answering machine, of course. And the answering machine said, Father Bozio does not receive visitors, but he will answer the phone between 4 and 5 p.m. So this small gap was impossible for them, considering the schedule of their whole journey. So again, from a human point of view, their cause was doomed before it started. Then you know what they did? This little group of friends, they decided to put their guardian angels to work. First of all, they asked them to go to Father Bozio. They sent them to him and asked him if they could come. And they asked the guardian angel to bring his answer back to them. So after praying a few minutes, you know, trying to catch the answer of the angels, a great joy filled their heart. So they continued to drive towards Verona. They were comforted. Then every half an hour, 
they would pray to their guardian angels and send them again to Father Bozio to make sure he was warned that they were coming and, well, to make sure they could get in. So when they arrived in Verona, next to the dome, the first gate was wide open. Strange. So they went in, they parked the car, and they found out that the entrance door of the apartment building was also wide open. Uh-huh. That kind of feel good, no? So they started up the stairs leading to Father Bozio's floor, and guess what did they see? Father Bozio himself! Here he was standing on the last step of the staircase, waiting for them. And they heard his voice. Ah, here you are, you who have sent me your guardian angels every half an hour. Come in, I want to give you a blessing. That was the welcome, you know. So this is only one story among so many, which happened with the guardian angels. Now, in Medjugorje, the visionaries tell us that when Our Lady appears, especially on the great feast days like Easter, Christmas, All Saints Day, Assumption and things, she comes with a few angels and sometimes she's surrounded with many angels. And uh, when she appears on the mountain, for example, the Mount Krijevats, some visionaries told me that the mountains were really covered with angels. It's incredible. Mary, of course, is the queen of angels, and when she travels, she travels with her company, with her friends, with her people. We all do that. Now, people have asked the visionary, what do they look like? So they say that the angels look like little children, and they have wings. Now, what they do, they look at their queen. And this is very important. I was very happy to learn this point. The angels are fascinated by her. They're fascinated by their queen. They admire her so much. And you know, everything she does, they mimic. If she's very happy, if she's really delivering a very happy message, they will manifest their happiness in moving their wings. And on their face, you see that happiness too. And guess what? The longer the apparition lasts, the happier they get, and sometimes they get so excited, they get so happy, they move their wings a very noisy way. So it's very funny. But then on the contrary, when Our Lady is sad, and you know she has sometimes many reasons to be sad, then they are very distraught. They express their sadness, very touching. They mimic everything she does, and they are very, very attached to her. Of course, the reality of the angels is not new through Medjugorje, but it has always been there, expressed all over the Bible. It has been expressed through the history of the people of God, in the story of humanity, even in the story of creation. When we read, for example, the first book of the Bible, the Genesis, the angels are already there in the Garden of Eden. And of course, God is the creator of the angels. We see in the scriptures how the angels serve God, we can find many, many passages in the Bible where we see angels serving God. For example, in the Old Testament, God is using the angels. He sent them to execute his orders, to provide things for his people, his prophets. He uses them to give messages, to lead the people. And we have many apparitions of angels all through the Bible. That's a normal life with God. Now, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, in the book of Exodus, is when God provided Moses, the leader of his people, with a special angel. 
just for him. And here he says to him, Look, I myself will send an angel before you to guard you as you go and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Give him reverence and listen to all that he says. Offer him no defiance. He would not pardon such a fault, for my name is in him. If you listen carefully to his voice and do all that I say, I shall be enemy of your enemies, foe to your foes. My angel will go before you and lead you. Now remember, right at the beginning of Jesus' life, we see angel Gabriel telling Mary about the little baby she was to conceive. And later on, we see another angel in Bethlehem telling the good news to the shepherds in the field at night. And then an army of angels joining him with praise to God. Gloria in a Chelsea's Deo. That's what they were singing, you know. And when Jesus went into the desert after his baptism, when he spent 40 days there fasting and praying, we again see the angel coming to him and serving him. And when Jesus speaks about the little children, he says, Do not rebuke the little children, because their angels in heaven constantly contemplate the face of my Father in heaven. And you know what? Each of our guardian angels contemplates the face of God. And this is a passage in the Bible which helps us realize and believe that we all have a guardian angel. So we've got to be happy about it. It's a great gift. Yes, we all have one. We all have an angel, a special angel for us alone. And whether you want it or not, it's there. You've got one. That's it. So many people today do not care about that or they have not yet found about this reality. Actually, it's not an option. It is a church doctrine. It is part of our faith. And Catholics believe in the existence of angels. And we believe that we have been given a guardian angel. I want here to go to this little paragraph of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. That's a book, by the way, that we should all have at home and read regularly. So this little paragraph, number three to eight, in the edition I have, is talking about the guardian angels. Listen to this. The existence of the spiritual, non-corporeal beings that sacred scripture usually calls angels is a truth of faith. The witness of scripture is as clear as the unanimity of tradition. So as I told you, we see here it's not an option. It's there and we've got to believe it. Now, I'll tell you something (laughs) what happened to a friend of mine that is in Paris, the priest. So many years ago, when he was just a seminarian, he had the great chance to go to confession with Padre Pio in San Giovanni Rotondo, Italy. Now, during confession, Padre Pio asked him, do you sometimes pray to your guardian angel? And my friend, you know, he answered, oh, no, you know, no, I mean, yeah. you must be kidding. I don't believe in guardian angels. And you know what happened? Padre Pio slapped him in the face. Yes, he did. He slapped him. And you know what Padre Pio said to him? Silly, stupid, I see him by your side. I think it was a good slapping because my friend from that day, believe me, started to pray to his guardian angel. Blessed slapping. Praise God. So another passage about the guardian angels that belong to our faith from the catechism is this. Paragraph 336. From its beginning until death, human life is surrounded by their watchful care and protection. 
Beside each believer stands an angel as protector and shepherd, leading him to life. Already here on earth, the Christian life shares by faith in the blessed company of angels and men united in God. So we believe as Catholics that at the very moment of our conception, we all have a special angel appointed to us by God so that we might be led by him in our life. Now let me tell you my little private story. Because I love guardian angels, I, mean, I guess you have you already got the point. When I was a, a young child, my parents taught me about guardian angels. So from childhood, I was familiar with my guardian angel. And even I gave him a name. I called him Raphael. And uh, to make sure he would, uh, I would call him more easily. And it was the name of an archangel. So I thought it was good for him. So I used him as my companion. I would send him to do this, to do that, to that person, to that situation, asking for his help and talking to him. And I must say he was very efficient and he has always been very, but very helpful without talking about protection. My gosh, I wouldn't be on this world anymore without him. So when I entered my community, community of the Beatitudes in France, I found myself in our little foundation in Nazareth. So there we were only four sisters. Uh, two brothers were not far in another little house, also in Nazareth. And of course, I would share with the sisters my stories about uh, my guardian angel. And among these sisters was Sylvie. And Sylvie came from a Protestant background. And though she was uh, now a Catholic, she wouldn't pray to the angels because she had a kind of block. You know, she just couldn't do it. She was skeptical about that. Still, she would listen to my stories. She was quiet. And she was listening to our prayer to the angels. And inside she would think, what is this? How can they pray to their guardian angels? Like a weird thing, you know, for her. But of course, I would continue to relate my adventures with my guardian angel and how helpful he was, all the story that happened to me with him. That was kind of attractive, you know. And she thought, and what if this was real? So one day she wanted to put an end to her question. And she made a kind of test. And the test was this. Since she knew that I would call my guardian angel Raphael, she simply told him, Raphael, if you are really as great as Sister Emmanuel says, if you can really do jobs, if you can really help us, I want to know. So, please today, tell Sister this particular thing, and she mentioned what she had to tell, what he had to tell me, because I don't want to tell her myself. So it's your job to tell her. And if you tell her and I have the proof that you've spoken to her, then I will believe that we can pray to the angels. Otherwise, forget it. <laughs> that was her prayer. That prayer she made, that prayer in the morning. Of course, I didn't know that she was making this test. And off I went to my work. At the time, I was working in a hospital in Nazareth half the day. So I came back for lunch. And I remember, I will never forget that. I remember I opened the door. The three other sisters were at table. The lunch had already started. And before even that I greet them, I said, guess what the Lord has told me today in prayer. And believe me, I repeated exactly word for word the message that Sylvie had given to my guardian angel. So she dropped her head in her soup and she was deeply shocked. At the moment, she said nothing. 
because she had to reflect on that. But she was absolutely overwhelmed. Now, a while later, she told me the whole story. That's how I, I found out. And she said, you know, sister, from that day on, I started praying to my guardian angel and to your guardian angel and to all the angels. And, you know, she became one of the best employers of guardian angels I ever met in my entire life. Well, now, you know, some people would say, no, I won't pray to my guardian angel because I only want to pray to Jesus. Only Jesus is God. I'm not going to pray to creatures. I don't want anything in the way. I'll deal directly with Jesus. Well, this is very good to deal directly with Jesus. I don't say otherwise. It's good. So far, very good. But what if you exclude those that he, Jesus himself, has given you as friends? Do you think you please him this way? No. You just offend him and you just sadden him. Now, suppose you have a beautiful fiancé and you love your fiancé. And this fiancé, of course, has a mom, a dad. She has brothers and sisters and she has friends. So one day you get into her home and you ask, where is my fiancé so-and-so? But the mom is opening the door for you. But you don't care. She's only the mom, you know. She's not the fiancé. So then the brothers show up. You don't care. It's just a brother. Where is my fiancé? I want to deal directly with her. I don't care about you guys. I want only her. Don't you think that she'll be very saddened? She'll say to you, let me introduce you to my mom. My mom is part of my life and she knows me so well. So as a fiancé, if you want to see me, to know me, to know who I am really, go to her, she'll tell you stories about my childhood. You will know me better and hopefully you will love me better. And you know, this is my brother. Let me introduce you to him. He had a great influence on me. And this is my sister. And this is my family. And this is my dad. And you know what? I love each of the members of my family. So if you want to love me really, share that love that I have with my family. They're good guys. They won't harm you. They are part of my family. They're my brother and sister. And then they become part of your family. We are one family now. You know? You can't just cut them off. Jesus himself gave a guardian angel to each one of us. So if you want to please Jesus, you will please him a lot in praying to the angels. The angels belong to Jesus. He's the king of angels. So of course Jesus is very, very happy when we pray to them. Now I want to read for you some of the passages in the Bible that relate to angels. And uh, it shows how Jesus is not only the king of the angels, but the creator of the angels and how they relate to him, how they belong to him. Christ is the center of the angelic world. They are his angels. So in Matthew, we read like this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be assembled before him. You see, Jesus comes with his companions, with his angels. On the last day, when Christ returns to earth, he'll be surrounded by thousands of angels. That's from the Gospel. And we know that the angels have been created by him and for him. For in him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities, etc., now they belong to him all the more since he has made them messengers of his saving plan. 
We see that the angels have been present throughout the creation and throughout the history of man, and they will be eternally present with us. Their job and their mission is to help us. And the more we pray to them, the more they manifest their help. That's very obvious. When you start, just start and you'll see for yourself. Well, let me tell you another story. I remember one time I was in Jerusalem with my community and we were six of us. We were invited to give witness in a monastery owned by Clarice's sisters. And the sister had gathered some friends and some benefactors and family and for a conference. And so we were to do the conference and uh, the group of people were not very big, like 50 people, and they were to listen to our testimonies. Unfortunately, when we arrived, these people were all engaged in a very, very loud noise and conversations and, and things. And uh, when we heard that noise, we understood that it was going to be very difficult to transmit our message, you know, our testimonies, because their hearts were not in the right position to listen, in the right spirit. You cannot be attentive to, to God in the brouhaha, you know, you just can't. So we were a little sad. But my sister Sylvie, the same one, you know, the ex-Protestant, she smiled at me and she said to me, listen, let's use our guardian angels. Let's put them to work. Now let's make a deal with them. This is my idea, she said. Let us gather all of them and we will pray to all of them here present, which means 50 guardian angels. And we will ask them in prayer, please tell your protégé to keep quiet. Now you won't believe what happened then. That fast, right away, all the agitation of the room was gone. And a very deep, incredible silence fell on the room. And without any obvious reason, in one second, everybody stopped their conversations and a pure peace settled on us. That was incredible. It, it was phenomenal, just phenomenal. So thanks to the silence, we prayed first to the Holy Spirit and we started to give witness and to speak about God and, and the people really listened very carefully, you see? Just, it took the idea to use them. And for me, it was an incredible experience. Actually, we were shocked at the efficiency and at the power of the guardian angels. And we were so grateful to them. So exciting to live with God and his people. You know, invisible world, <laughs> we can touch it sometimes. Now, another time I remember, I was going to speak in a conference about Medjugorje, and it was in a church where about 2,000 people were expected. Now, this took place in a country where I knew the mentality of the people was kind of serious, you know. And uh, it was kind of heavy for me because, you know, when I, I speak, I used to make little jokes sometimes, but I knew these kind of people would not laugh at my jokes. I was kind of anxious or a little stressed. So, but then I had a great idea. I remember Nazareth and all these experiences with the angels. And I thought that when Jesus was born in Nazareth, there were many angels there. And this was exactly the perfect situation. And everything about them in Bethlehem was perfect for my situation. Their great numbers, their joy, and the fact they were bearers of good tidings. So I presented them with this request. Dear angels of Bethlehem, you know the situation. Therefore, I beg you, place yourself at the side of each person and also fill the entire church. Now, take away any heaviness there. When I speak, bring joy in abundance 
So the atmosphere becomes light and highly spiritual. And then Our Lady's message may go straight to the heart of everyone. So I pray to them, I finish my prayer, and here I start speaking. Now, with surprise, I noticed soon later that all the faces started to lit up with joy. It was such an encouragement. I said, wow, good angels. But then my surprise doubled when they started laughing, even when I had not even said anything funny. So 20 minutes into my talk, the whole assembly was laughing so much that I had to kind of secretly send a little word to the troop of angels and I said to them, well, dear angels of Bethlehem, okay, okay, you are doing a wonderful job. You spread a real spirit of joy and I'm very thankful. But listen, if they continue to laugh like this, I won't be able to fit my talk in, you know. So please, can you just cool down a little bit so I am able to finish? It was really incredible. On that night, you know, the people were so open and so joyful. It was phenomenal. All the atmosphere got very friendly and open. I was so happy. So once more in that evening, the angels had dazzled me, I can say. Now, what a key the heavens hand out to us. Remember, in case the atmosphere is heavy, appeal to the angels of Bethlehem and believe me, their sense of humor is delectable. Don't let them be idle. Give them jobs. Now, where does the word angel come from? In Hebrew, the word they use for angel is actually malach. And the root of this word, malach, means to be sent. You know when you send a messenger to give a message to someone who is far away? This man is called malach in Hebrew, messenger, envoyé. So, by nature, the angels are messengers. And this is why we can use them for that. All the saints use angels. They use them a lot. Now you have um, the Pope Pius XI. You have Pope John XXIII. You had also Padre Pio. You had Sister Faustina. You have many saints who use their angels very often and very powerfully. Let's speak about Padre Pio. So you know Padre Pio was a very, very holy man and uh, very powerful, but also very famous. So because of being so famous and so holy and so charismatic, he had many spiritual children all over the world, and especially in Italy. And those spiritual children, of course, would write to him letters. Well, at the time, there was no email or Skype. And there they would express their problems, their concerns, their sufferings. They would also uh, speak about their souls Deep things, you know. And Padre Pio, like each one of us, had only 24 hours a day. So how could he possibly answer all those letters? Impossible. Because also he spent hours and hours and entire days in the confessional. So there was no way he could answer those letters. So what did he do? Actually, he had a very special relationship with his guardian angel. He would see him sometimes. He would, of course, talk to him. Very much his companion. And of course, he would put him to work. And since the more you ask your guardian angel to help, the more powerfully he answers and manifests himself. So Padre Pio found the best way possible. He would simply ask his guardian angels to answer these letters. And they did. They just did. Padre Pio would tell them, now you see this pile of letters, make sure they are answered. So the guardian angels were in charge of answering the letters. 
Because they are angels, they can read thoughts and they know people, they know us very deeply. So they knew exactly what Padre Pio would have answered himself. And they knew what would be the thoughts of Padre Pio to answer those people in need of grace. So if ever one of you got a letter from Padre Pio, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not sure. He wrote it himself. It might be his guardian angel, who knows. One thing we all have to know is that we all receive a guardian angel for our life and they will be with us eternally. When we die, our guardian angel is never appointed to another person. He will always have only us. We have one and it will stick to us. He will cling to us for all eternity. He will be our eternal special friend. Now, don't think we have only one angel. We have one guardian angel, but we have other angels. Actually, we have several. I'll give you an example. If I get married and I found a family, God will extend an angel to keep my family. And this angel will be the angel of the family. And I will enjoy myself, that angel, but also my husband, my children, my, yes, every, all the family members, you see. If I become a priest, the Lord will send an angel, especially for my priesthood, to keep me and uh, to be a good priest, a holy priest. And if I become a bishop, I have another angel, which is especially pointed for my being a bishop, to be a good bishop. If I'm the Pope, there will be a special angel appointed by God for the Pope. If I'm a doctor, there is a special angel for doctors. If I am an artist, a painter, a sculptor, there is a special angel for artists. If I'm a nurse, there is a special angel for me. For the profession and the job I have, there is a special angel for me. If I belong to a community, there is a special angel for the community. If I enter the Carmel, there is a special angel for that Carmel. Now, if I live in a town like Margate, like Johannesburg, like Paris, like New York, there is a special angel appointed by God for that city, to that city that I can pray to. You remember when the angel appeared to the little shepherds in Fatima, those who saw Our Lady? The angel told them, I am the angel of Portugal. He was a special angel for Portugal. And we know that the angel of Portugal was actually St. Michael the Archangel. So if I see a bad things, bad stuff happening in my city, Satanism and too many suicides, and the wrong leadership from the politicians and uh, harm of any kind. Fine, I have the guardian angels of that city that I may pray to and I can make friends with him and he will see to it to make the city go better, do better, you know? Now, God has created the human nature but also the angelic nature. We have a human nature which means we have a spirit and a body. Instead, angelic nature is a pure spirit. They have no body. This means that they have only a spirit, but this gives them an incredible freedom because they don't have the limitation that we have for space and time. So why do we see them sometimes in the pictures, in the paintings, like little babies and with little wings? Well, this is just a symbolic body. It's not their real body. But we need to be able to spot them. If it's a painting, we have to see them, you know. We also need to realize what they do. But in, actually, they have no body. And the wings are a symbol to show that they can act very fast. 
because precisely they are pure spirit. And of course, they don't really have wings. Now, we know and we learn from St. Paul that man is superior to the angels. Why this? It's not because we are smarter, definitely not. Actually, angels are much, much smarter than us. But this is only because Jesus, the Son of God, took human nature. So he gave to human nature a glory that the angelic nature doesn't have. This is why we are above the angels in the creation of God. But we should not forget that we ourselves are very weak. The body that we have makes us like blind and heavy and with the capacity of being sick, of being tired, of being discouraged, of being exhausted, the capacity also of dying. Now, the heaviness of our body makes us live in a certain darkness, you know. But the angels live in the full light of God and are very, very smart, very intelligent. Now, an angel as a spiritual being has a capacity to reach us inside, inside our being, and also to influence us. Of course, God alone has an access to the deepest depth of our soul, where we hold that chamber, that wedding chamber, I would say. But around that we have kind of layers or chambers of ourselves, and angels have access to the outer ones, like our thoughts, uh, our will, imagination, memory, sensitivity, and the angels have access to our body too. We should be aware of that and definitely make friends with our angels who can help us so much. So let's be aware of that. And um, for example, if you are tired, then pray to your guardian angel. And if it's God's plan, then he can unload you from your tiredness. If you are in a scary situation, pray to your angels. They can be like your bodyguards, you know. VIP has bodyguards, but they are human. They can fail. The angel is much better bodyguard. Even though we don't see him, maybe it's more tricky for the enemy. <laughs> angels are much more powerful than human beings. And they are invincible. They are quicker and smarter. And you know, he knows the plans of your enemies. Power is not just in muscles, you know. So angels also can help us do things. Here is an example. Maybe you know the little Carmelite sister called Mariam of Bethlehem. She was from the 19th century, just before Little Flower. And uh, she lived in, in Israel. And even though she was sick, she was asked to clean a huge room to make it very clean. For some sister needed the room and the place was to be available very quickly. So this job was kind of impossible for her. She was too sick and there was not enough time to do so. So she still picked up the job because she was very holy. And uh, after a short while, another sister enters the room and she saw that the whole job was done, just like that in no time at all. So the sister was really surprised and she asked little Mariam of Bethlehem, who said to her simply, the children have helped me. Now this was her vocabulary. She was very simple. She didn't know how to read and write and she used to call angels the children. And she was very familiar with the children, with the angels. Actually, what has happened, the angels had cleaned the room for her. Because angels can have access to our feelings. For example, our sexuality. Suppose someone has a sexual attraction to someone else, which does not fit with God's plan for humanity and for marriage, 
as we see in the story of creation and all over the Bible. Now, in that case, the guardian angels are very helpful to restore things, to restore us. I remember a priest, he confided to me that, uh, and he's a very holy priest, he's old now, when he was much younger, he had an incredible attraction for a woman. And this woman was nice and she would come sometime for confession with him. And he was so tempted with this woman that he always managed to have a table when he had to speak to her, to have a table between him and herself because it was an impossible attraction and uh, it was a suffering for him. And of course, as a priest, he didn't want to give into the temptation. And he told me one day, he prayed three times a special prayer to Our Lady, the Queen of Angels. And he said, in no time, the spirit of lust I had was over. I could look at that woman, there was nothing left, nothing. It just fell like an old sock. You know, that's the, the guardian angels. It was a bad angel that influenced his sexuality. But you see, just to tell you that angels have access to our sexuality. Now, one angel, the Archangel Michael, is especially powerful. You can pray novenas to St. Michael and you'll see the result for yourself. As well as for others, you can pray to him for others, for them to be freed. Now, angels have access to our imagination, to our dreams. Remember St. Joseph? He had dreams sometimes. And the angels would speak to him through dreams, telling him important things that he had to know in order to be a good shepherd for the Holy Family. Now, it was an angel who told Joseph to not be afraid to take Mary as his spouse when she was pregnant. It's again an angel who told him to flee to Egypt when they were under threat from King Herod. Now, again an angel told him when it was safe to return to his homeland from Egypt because King Herod had died. As you can notice, Joseph did not need CNN or the BBC. Angels would do that. There is no mixture with the truth with angels, just plain light. So angels can be really there in our dreams and help us. And you know what? The angels know God's plan for us. They know about our vocation. They know what is the dream of our Creator for us. And they see it very clearly and they are in charge to help us live it, realize it in its fullness, fulfill our vocation. Now suppose the Lord wishes a little boy to become a priest. Of course, his guardian angel will know about it. And then he will do everything he can to help this little boy from his childhood to avoid everything that could harm or block his vocation. So this angel will lead him on his path. He will help him stay pure and pray to God, worshiping God and listening to his word, doing his will. He will help the little boy to be charitable, to think of others, to give himself in service for others, to be attentive. And he will help him in any way so that this little boy may reach that goal of becoming a priest and then a holy priest. You see? Now, this is a little personal family testimony. My mom, when she was young, would always pray to her guardian angel. And she would pray to him for the guy who maybe the Lord was having in store for her as a husband, asking her guardian angel to protect him and to lead him. And she would also pray to the guardian angel of that boy, that man. Little did she know that my father would have to spend three years in the concentration camps of Hitler in Germany. 
And actually, I must say that he was the only one from his section to return home alive. And my mother met him after the war, and they got married. And when my mom told my dad about those prayers that she was addressing to her guardian angel and his guardian angel, my dad was absolutely astounded. Because you know what? He also had done the same thing on his side. He had prayed to his angel for the wife the Lord had prepared for him. And he would pray to the guardian angel of his future wife that she would be kept for him. And as a matter of fact, the first minute he saw my mom, he knew that she was the one. Now there is a plan of God for each one of our lives. And the angels are the keepers, the guardians of that plan. Their job is to help us realize that plan in its fullness. And they always lead us back to it when we go astray. So when we are searching for our vocation, our guardian angel can help us greatly. Our angels are counselors too. We might not see them, but they are definitely by our side to help us keep up each day on the right path. We can also pray to them to free us from the influences of demons, because also demons are angels. And as the good angels of God are meant to influence us for good, out of love for us, they actually love us the way God loves us, you know? Never forget that. The demons are constantly working to inject their poison in us with a very clear goal for us to be lost body and soul. They are destroyers. And as angels, they have the same capacity to access those parts of ourselves that our guardian angel can, our imagination, feelings, our will. And these can be infected by demons, oppressed by demons. Our will can be very weakened and even reduced to almost nothing by demons. They can confuse our minds. They can remove the little peace we have. Now, if we live in sin, we are surrounded with demons, more or less, of course, because they have a way in through the sin. Because every sin opens a new door to them in us, well, more or less depending on the seriousness of the sin. And even when we are not aware of the danger or the reality of sin, nevertheless, we remain vulnerable to evil. Take a little boy of three, for example. He's playing in the house and he had never heard, he doesn't know that putting his finger in the electrical socket could kill him. It's not his fault, nobody told him. But because he doesn't know that it is wrong, he does it. And what happens? There is a deadly shock that comes all the same. It's not because he doesn't know that the shock doesn't come, you see. And it's the same for us with sin. For example, take the sin of abortion. If a girl does not know that it is a serious sin, her moral responsibility before God for that action is not as great, but the harm happens all the same. You know, ignorance has never been a virtue. Now here I need to say something about demons because it's also part of the angels, invisible world. When God created the angels, they were all good. There were no demons and God never created demons. The angels were created by God in the light, in his light, and they are creatures of light. But just like us, they had to go through a test. And the test was a choice. They had to choose to be with God and serving and his plans or not. Because being in heaven with God is not automatic. Nobody gets to heaven without a free choice. We are free to say yes to God 
And because we are free to say yes, we are also free to say no. You cannot be free to say yes without being free to say no. Otherwise, what kind of freedom it is? Think of this. If somebody tells you that he loves you, but then you find out that this person had no other option but to love you. He had to love you. What kind of love is that? You won't be filled with that. On the other hand, if you find out that this person had a hundred chances not to love you and still he chooses to be with you and to love you, then that is a real love, you see? Love and freedom go together, you just cannot separate them. There is no love without freedom. So God, who loves us perfectly, waits for us to choose freely to be with him. And this is why there is that test. And when God created the angels, they were free to choose him and to agree with his plans or not. And some angels, unfortunately, oppose God. They refuse to serve his plans. Non serviam. They disconnected from God, who is the source of good, and then they became evil spirits. Because there is no good, no light away from God. There is not a place where you can be good in the light away from God. No, it doesn't exist. Now, the evil spirit kept the characteristic of their nature, but of course they used them for wrong purposes. Now, let me read a few things, because we need a minimum of proper theology there. And uh, here are some quotes of a few paragraphs from the Catechism. 392. Listen. Scripture speaks of a sin of these angels. This fall consists in the free choice of these created spirits who radically and irrevocably rejected God and his reign. So here you have the word irrevocably. This means we know that the angels do not have the ability to reform as we human beings do now on earth. They are stuck in their final choice, which is no to God. Now 393, another paragraph of the Catechism. It is the irrevocable character of their choice and not a defect of the infinite divine mercy that makes the angels' sin unforgivable. There is no repentance for the angels after their fall, just as there is no repentance for man after death. End of quotation. Because you know, being angels, they had no blindness. And it was with full consciousness that they said no to God. Here on earth, we human beings are so blind, you know, we have no idea what it is to be in the full light of God. This is why we can always change our no into a yes, when we are on earth. During our lifetime on earth, we can always reform ourselves and repent. But when we get into our last hour, there comes a moment when we make the final choice for eternity. So either you choose God and humbly ask forgiveness for your sins and you receive his mercy and then you are introduced to heaven or to purgatory if you need first to be purified or you decide to reject God. And you know, if you say many little no's to God your whole life, you might also reject God at the last moment. And with that choice to be without him for eternity, you put yourself directly to hell. If you say many little yes to him, you may definitely say a big yes to him when you see him. Our Lady said to the visionaries of Medjugorje when she showed them hell, and they asked, how can this be? Our Lady said, these are people who choose to go there freely with their all freedom in the full light. Once you are in heaven, you do not go out. You don't even think to go out. That would be so silly. Even in purgatory, the souls know they have received salvation. 
and although they suffer a lot from the purification, they would not like to go back to earth where there is so much darkness. But if you are in hell, it means you don't want to receive anything from God and you stay there forever. It's not that God doesn't want you, but you don't want God. You hate God. This is what the word irrevocable implies. Total rejection of God and His grace forever. Let me read for you another passage of the Catechism because it explains very well the fall of the angels. 391 Behind the disobedient choice of our first parents lurks a seductive voice opposed to God which makes them fall into death out of envy. Scripture and the Church's tradition see in this being a fallen angel called Satan or the devil. The Church teaches that Satan was at first a good angel made by God. The devil and the other demons were indeed created naturally good by God, but they became evil by their own doing. Now Lucifer, whose name means he who carries the light, was a very, very bright angel. But when he was tested, he said no to God. He rebelled against the will of God and therefore he fell. Though he had the same possibilities, the same character as the other archangels, he used all his power against God and against the creation of God and against the creatures of God. This is why, by the way, he's after us. And his job, contrary to our guardian angels, is to get us separated from God and to lead us astray from the will of God and God's plan for our life. And we are surrounded by thousands of these bad guys, the bad angels, I mean, the rebellious ones, who are trying so hard to separate humanity from God. In Medjugorje, Ali said this, Satan is strong and desires to destroy not only human life, but also nature and the planet on which you live. Therefore, dear children, pray that through prayer you can protect yourself with God's blessing of peace. She said also, if you would be strong in faith, Satan would not be able to do anything against you. Now let me explain the word faith. In Hebrew, faith is emuna, And emuna means adhesion, when we adhere to God, which means to be connected, to be one with God. And the devil is par excellence, the disconnected word from God. So when we have faith, which means we are connected to God, we are adhering to God, the devil cannot harm us. And by permission of God, the demons know us and they know our weaknesses. They have the same intelligence as the other angels. They are very smart, very cunning. And this is why it is very important not to address any demon. Suppose you are tormented. Don't speak to them. Don't start a conversation with them. You know, Eve in the Garden of Eden spoke to him, to the serpent, directly. And she fell into sin because she believed every word the serpent said to her, even though these words were opposing God's words. Remember the serpent, in other words, Satan. He's a liar and is the father of lies. So don't speak to them even if you are tormented. Go to Jesus, go to Mary, go to your guardian angel and ask them to protect you from the evil one. But don't address Satan directly unless you are a priest or, of course, an exorcist. It's too dangerous. You'll get stuck. You'll get trapped. In Medjugorje, Our Lady says, You must realize that Satan exists. He's destroying marriages, creating division among priests, and he's responsible for obsessions and murders. You must protect yourself against these things through fasting and prayer, especially community prayer. 
carry blessed objects with you. Put them in your home and restore the use of holy water. Now we have to know about the existence of the demons, though many people deny their existence, because we have to fight against them and resist them. You know, if you are on a battlefield, which we are, and you ignore the enemy, you are defeated before you start, you know. We have to know about the existence of the demons, so that we may fight against them and also resist them. The best way to fight against them and to defeat them is to have Jesus' power within us, which means through prayer and also through fasting. And the rosary is an incredible weapon against Satan, and Mary says so often in Medjugorje. Because when saying the rosary, you know what happens? We place ourselves and also our family under the mantle of Our Lady. And Satan has never been able to touch her. If you are under her mantle, you'll be safe. But for that, you have to belong to her in a true way, in a real way, which means to leave her messages, to leave the gospel, of course, not only in words, but in deeds. Our Lady says this, Dear children, do not allow Satan to take control of your heart so that you become an image of him and not of me. She also says, Dear children, do not be afraid of Satan. That's not worth the trouble. Because with an humble prayer and an ardent love, one can disarm him. You know, you don't need to be afraid of Satan if you are with Jesus and Mary. He is the one to be afraid of you. He's terrified even by a little child who prays. On the contrary, if you are not with Jesus, if you are not in a state of grace, and if you won't sin, then please be afraid of Satan because you're in trouble. He has an access to you and he will harm you. Well, when I say be afraid of him, may this fear leads you to confession and change your life. That's what I mean, of course. Don't remain in that fear. Now we know that the angels are divided into nine orders. You have angels, archangels, virtues, powers, principalities, dominations, thrones, cherubim and seraphim. And each order has a special kind of job and position in heaven. There is a special angel for the churches and these angels are keeping the church. For example, if you go to a church and there is a blessed sacrament, Sometimes there is nobody around because nobody cares, nobody comes to adore the Blessed Sacrament. Jesus is left alone. But just know that by the Blessed Sacrament, Our Lady is always there, adoring Jesus. But also she's not alone there. You also have Saint Michael the Archangel, who is the keeper of the Eucharist. So again, we have the invisible world that is so real. You see only the tabernacle with nobody around, but Our Lady is there with St. Michael and maybe other angels. When you have a Mass celebrated, thousands of angels are around the altar, celebrating Mass with the heavenly court. Not only the angels, but the archangels, all are there, the whole heavenly church. Our Lady herself is there. At each Mass, she's there, and also the saints. And believe me, among the saints, you'll find your people, your own family. If your mother has died and she's in heaven, she's there, near the altar. You know, in Medjugorje, the Blessed Mother says something about the Eucharist. If you knew, dear children, the graces and the gift you received during Mass, you would go to Mass every day and you would prepare for it at least an hour ahead. And she says also, 
Instead, dear children, when you are at Mass, you are unaware. And she's right. We are unaware of what is really happening on the altar. But it's so beautiful when we start seeing with the eyes of faith, the eyes of the heart. And this is why it's so important for us to come to church ahead of time in order to prepare our hearts for Mass. Not only prepare to receive Jesus, of course, but also to put ourselves in the presence of God, in the presence of the heavenly court that is going to celebrate from heaven this incredible mystery of the Eucharist with us and with the priest. Now let's say a word about Pope John XXIII. He was delighted with angels. He would use the angels for important purposes, actually all the time. For example, when he had an important meeting with the cardinals, with bishops, with VIPs, important people, and he would ask all his friends, please send me your guardian angel during this meeting. When he had to meet somebody, he would send ahead of him his guardian angel to prepare the heart of that person before he would meet him. And we can do so too. Tell your guardian angel, for example. My dear angel, I thank you for your help. I'm very happy about your friendship and your special grace. I'm grateful to God for your being by my side and being my best friend. And you know, I'd like you to do a little favor for me. Why don't you go to that town in that meeting and please make sure everything that happens there would fit the will of God? You can do that. So when you know you have to meet someone, your boss, your wife, your child, your teenager, your priest, ask your guardian angel to prepare the heart of that person in the right direction. And if you are, for example, taken to court and you know you are innocent, then you can send your guardian angel ahead of you to the judge or to the attorney. And you can also send your guardian angel to the guy who is harming you, accusing you, telling your angel, please cool down this guy and prevent him from harming me. For important appointments, just tell your guardian angel ahead of time and you will see the fruit for yourself. When you drive and you have to go somewhere, and you don't have a place to park your car, your angel is the one to free a spot for you. They can also prevent accidents, you know. I can say here that my guardian angel saved me several times from death on the road. If you are a mother or a father, and you know that your child is in danger, or having a bad relationship, or getting involved in drugs, in alcohol, in bad stuff, then pray to their guardian angels and pray to your guardian angels to be there with them and to protect them from bad influences, bad choices. Now, how many times did Padre Pio say to his friend, send me your guardian angel? And he would himself send his guardian angels to his spiritual children or to people who are suffering in hospitals. He knew how powerful they are. Now, it happens that sometimes, it's interesting, in scriptures, we see people dealing with angels and asking them, what is your name? Take the book of Tobit. The archangel Raphael becomes a guide and companion for Tobiah in his journey. He led Tobiah to his cousin Sarah. He showed him the way. He protected him all the way. And at the end, we see that he even healed the sight of Tobit, the father. Now, if you have not read this book yet, do it. It's fascinating. I love this book because so exciting and so holy, full of holiness. At the end of this journey with Tobiah, the angel reveals his identity. He said, I am Raphael, one of the seven angels who enter and serve before the glory of the Lord. 
So we can also know sometimes the name of our guardian angels. Just try to ask him. You can do that. Sometimes the guardian angels would answer, but it's not automatic. As for me, for years, I used Raphael as the name of my angel. And I was a child when I started calling him Raphael. But then one day I eventually asked him, is this your real name? If it's not your real name, please reveal to me what your real name is. But he never did. I never heard anything about that other name. Sometimes people, we see that in the scriptures, ask the question, what is your name? But the angel only answers, why do you ask my name? And then he disappears. Why? I don't know. Some angels give their name, some don't. That's it. So we are not sure the guardian angel will give his name to us, but we may try. I like to tell people, try. And some people say to me, why should I try? How can I try? It's easy. Just talk to him and say, my dear angel, if you want me to call you more easily, tell me your name, reveal to me your name. And the angel has many ways to reveal his name to you. Most of the time, it's through a dream. Speaking of dreams, this is a story that happened in my community to a member who is a very nice lady, a mother of the family. And unfortunately, she would never sing at mass or in the liturgy because she just could not do that. She had a block for singing. She just could not sing. And she was very sorry. She was sad about it because we have beautiful songs and she would like to participate and she would feel kind of left out, you know. So one day, out of the blue, I had a conversation with her about angels and she said to me, no, I have never asked the name of my guardian angels. So I said, do it. That day, before she went to bed, she prayed to her guardian angel, asking him to reveal his name to her. And the next morning I saw her all excited. She said, sister, sister, Guess what? I had a dream last night and during my dream I saw a banner before my eyes and on that banner a word was written. It's too bad because I don't understand that word. And she said, the word was very clear and it was written shofar. And then I said, oh my gosh, knowing a little bit of Hebrew, I knew that shofar is an instrument used by the Levites in Jerusalem in those days and the singers and those in charge of the liturgy in the temple of Jerusalem. It's exactly what she needed. A shofar is like a horn. Um, it's carved actually in the horn of an animal. It is hollow inside and when you blow this horn, it makes an incredible cry. And at the time of the temple of Jerusalem, that was part of the liturgy, it was a warning when it was a time of prayer for the Jews. And this sound is very deep. It's like a cry. It penetrates you in a very powerful way. And from that sound, everyone in Jerusalem would know when it's Shabbat or any big feast day. And you can find passages in the scriptures which speaks about the shofar, the instrument of praising God, instrument of prayer, instrument of music. We can say that the name of our guardian angel is a kind of indication of our own vocation. So I explained that to her. She was astounded and immediately she understood that it was a sign for her that she too should participate in the liturgy. And I told her, now you have this gift of music from your guardian angel. He will help you. Pray to him that he helps you sing. And I'm telling you, the very next day, she started singing with us. So her angel was asked to do that job 
to help her and it was not by chance that he was a shofar which meant he was among the musicians before God. Now, when you think you have found the name of your angel, if you understand the name, fine, take it, keep it. But if you don't understand that name, please don't use it. Don't call a name that you don't understand. Why? Because also demons have names. Also the enemy is always trying to mimic what God does. Let me explain. In some practices that are wrong, for example in yoga or transcendental meditation, Ouija board, divination and all kinds of wrong things that are actually called abomination in the eyes of God, you can be given a word or name. Sometimes you are given a mantra and you are supposed to use that word to repeat it constantly. And you have to keep it secretly also. You have to not tell anyone. So never use any mantra. I'm telling you, never do that. I'll tell you a story of a friend of mine from Notre Dame. Now, at the University of Notre Dame, which is supposed to spread the Catholic faith, there was offered to the student a class on transcendental meditation, which is really bad. My friend and his wife went there. It was part of the university and he was not warned against it. And they spent nine weeks training to prepare to receive their mantra. At the end of the training, there was a special ceremony in Sanskrit and each person received their mantra. It was whispered in their ear by the teacher. They were told never to tell anyone the mantra, but to constantly repeat it. What you do in transcendental meditation usually is spend a half an hour every morning and evening sitting in a position and repeating the mantra. So my friend was not very cautious, not very prudent, and he would do that. He would repeat constantly this mantra for himself. During the course, the teacher showed all these studies to say that doing transcendental meditation would improve your IQ, would bring you more peace, etc. But what actually happened in my friend's life? Within a few months of starting this stuff together, their marriage fell apart. They separated and almost divorced. And it was a complete tragedy for the family. They just had their first child and the mother was pregnant with another child. So they suffered a lot. My friend became very anxious. He was very distraught, very troubled. And the more he was troubled, the more he would repeat that mantra because it was supposed to help him to bring him spiritual peace. So by the grace of God, some good Christian friends helped him out of his trouble. He was reconciled with his wife and now they have a large, beautiful Catholic family. Later, he found a book that translated all the Sanskrit used in the transcendental meditation ceremony and he discovered that this mantra that he was given was actually the name of a demon. So all that time, all those days he was meditating with his mantra, he was actually calling on a demon. And when you do that, sooner or later, they come. They don't need to be called twice to come. They are too happy to come and harm you. So please never use a name that you don't know. It might be a good name, but it's more prudent to avoid it if you don't know the meaning. Don't run the risk to be infested. So most of the time I notice that the names of the guardian angels we receive are from a Semitic language, Hebrew for example. So if you don't understand the name you got, go to someone who knows those type of languages and make sure the name has a holy meaning. Well, let me end with something beautiful that happened 
Just after the Feast of the Guardian Angels, which is October 2nd, the visionary Maria Pavlovich got some homework from Our Lady. Just after her daily apparition, the friend she was with noticed that she looked a little puzzled. So Maria shared with her friend that Our Lady said when she appeared, Today, I ask all of you present in the room, there were about five friends with her, to make friends with your guardian angels and to seek his help. And also, I ask you to write a letter to your guardian angels and you will give it to me tomorrow. So these friends were a little embarrassed at first because they had never done so and some of them had never even thought that they had a guardian angel. They each made an effort and the next day they had the letter to give to the Blessed Mother. They handled the letter to Maria before the apparition. And actually when she appeared that day, the Blessed Mother had five angels by her side. So Maria assumed that these angels were the guardian angels of the five people present. So after they had written these letters and given them to Our Lady, they were very excited about angels. And they tried their best to relate to their angels. They started speaking about their guardian angels. They started seeing in the scripture what was said about them. It's not difficult because the scriptures are filled with stories of angels. They found out much about them and they were very excited to finally make friends with their own guardian angels. They would ask them for services and favors missions, they would send them here and there, they would use them, and they would confide to them, they would seek their help. And all sorts of adventures happened to them because of the angels. So I guess what Ardi said to them, she might say that to you too. So I invite you to write a letter to your guardian angel, and then place the letter under an icon of Our Lady or under a statue of Our Lady, she'll be very happy. And afterwards, you can keep the letter for a while and then you can burn the letter. It's your choice. But please make friends and ask your guardian angel to help you. It will change your life. Your guardian angel will manifest his love to you, his care and his power to you. Your guardian angel is also the one who will bring your prayers to God and bring also the graces from God to you. You know, many people today are suffering because they are feeling so lonely. They wouldn't feel lonely anymore if they would relate to a friend that is constantly by their side and that is real, though invisible. I'm telling you, if you make friends with your angel, you will have many stories to tell your family and they, in their turn, can start a new relationship with their own guardian angel and it will spread. You know, there is nothing more sad than a guardian angel sat in a corner jobless. You know, in this world where we have so much evil going on, so much violence, so much hatred, so much satanism, it's increasing even. There is so much action from the evil one. We Christians, we Catholics are in a special way in charge to pray to our guardian angels and to all the angels so that they restore the peace of our world, of our country also, that we may live fulfilling the beautiful mission that God has given. We are the hands of God to promote that and to help the world with our guardian angels. Now let's take together one minute of silence and let's pray, talking to our guardian angel. Let's greet him, thank him and ask him to manifest himself. Maybe ask for him to give his name to you. Take this minute to relate to him and see what happens.
No disaster can overtake you. No plague come near your tent. He has given his angels orders about you to guard you wherever you go. They will carry you on their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on lion and adder, trample on young lions and dragons. <laughs>